And also, this is going to allow your company, your organization to be more attractive. You want to attract people to you, more women into your companies, more women of color. Well, you want to be able to be attractive by hiring them. If I go to your website and I see one color on your site of individuals in a leadership realm, ah, I don't know. I might still apply, but ugh, it's for some people it's uncomfortable. I always share the story about how I always aspire to be a chief master sergeant in the Air Force and going in and seeing a lack of representation in that room. And unconsciously, I started to say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to be there. And I started to shift and change within my career and started to say, you know what, I'm fine if I retire at this rank. I want to invite you to join our Act and Lead community. And here's what you get. You get a community of like-minded individuals that will help you reach or achieve whatever goals that you have. You get that accountability. You get people that have been either in the direction or they're traveling the direction you want to go. And you also just get a group of coaches, three coaches in this group that will help you mastermind, strategize, and solve whatever issues that you may have for your business. And so we all know that network determines our net worth and that a community of strong individuals helps us get to where we're going faster. So I just want to take this opportunity to invite you to join the Active Lead community so we can support you to help you reach your goals. Click the link below and join our community today. Happy Women's History Month, a month where we do not only celebrate women in leadership and organizations and the impact they have made in companies, but also how they changed culture, moved, and been faces for change management, but also the impact they have made in households. And on today, we want to highlight Rashida Jones. Miss Jones has been a part of NBC Universal for about seven years, and she currently oversees daytime news coverage for the network and breaking news and specials for NBC's broadcast news division. The amazing thing is Miss Jones is currently the senior vice president at the network, but she will become the highest ranking black woman in TV news industry. We wanna to continue to usher in these opportunities open up doors and keep pressing ahead as we see more women get elevated into these positions, continue to be in those roles so our future generation of leaders can see that leadership doesn't just look one way, but it looks diverse, inclusive, and equitable for all. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire Presents the Act and Lead series. And on today's episode, I really want to hone in because we are still celebrating Women's History Month. We still have passed and celebrated International Women's Day. But the goal is, as we have these celebrations, I want us to also not only elevate and highlight all these great people who have done great things in the world, especially as we have just pivoted from Black History Month, I want us to make change, not just consume information. What can we learn and how can we apply it and how we manage, lead, and support women in these underrepresented groups? So on today's episode, we're going to talk about four strategies, things that you want to embed in your company, your organization to really start ushering in more women in leadership roles and more women representation. So get your notepads, get your note-taking materials, and let's get into today's message.
What's up, guys? We haven't had a conversation with just me, myself, and I in a while, but I think it's important as we celebrate Women's History Month that, again, we start to apply these changes that we talk about. We can celebrate women. We can discuss how great they are. But the question is, are we truly being change agents? Are we truly practicing what we preach? We applaud. We say, this is great. We talk about these individuals in schools and highlight them on social media. But are we practicing what we preach? So I did a live recently where I talked about four strategies to really help embed these practices within organizations. But before we get there, before you get those tools, I want to talk about the representation currently for women based off of gender and race. A McKinsey and Company report, they do these reports um, pretty frequently annually. And they discuss and they talk about women in the workplace, what they're dealing with, how, how they're having to navigate being in leadership and management. And it was kind of eye-opening. It shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was. Because when you see the data, you're like, wow. So they really spelled out from entry level to C-suite, these different tiers of leadership and how it looks like in regards to gender and race. So if we look at entry level, if you want to see this actual picture of it, definitely go to my Facebook page or my Instagram at this, excuse me, it's not at the Miss Isha anymore. So make sure you don't follow that anymore, but it's at Miss Isha Thomas, but go to those pages and you can see the visual. And again, you can go to McKinsey and company, um, which is going to be in the show notes to learn more about this report. But if you look at it, you see the breakdown. So entry level, for example, white men represent the highest at 35%. Second is white women at 29%. Then following that is men of color and women of color at 18%. So it's about equal. Now, when you pivot into the managers, you see an increase in white men by four, they're at 44%. Still second on that is white women at 26%. Uh, black men pretty much, or men of color stay at about 18%. And women of color, you see a decrease there as well with women in color. And next, you continue to go, another increase for white men being in senior manager and director roles by 51%. Second, still white women at 25%, men of color at 15%, and women of color at 9%. And as you continue all the way to the C-suite, what do you see the trends? The trends are you see an increase in white men going up in these uh, top tiers of these roles, but you see a decrease in regards to white women, men of color, and women in color. White women still say at that secondary rate, still being able to be ushered into these leadership roles. Black men or men of color after that, and then women of color are pretty much at the lowest rate. So even at C-suite, the highest level of leadership that you tend to see in corporations and organizations, white men are 66%, white women are 19%, Men of color are at 12% and then women of color at a 3%. So they started at 18%. So their biggest amount of representation is at the entry level. But once you get to the C-suite, they're at 3%. But for white men, you see this steady growth that they're being ushered into more of these roles. And I love looking at these numbers because, again, you have this shows the reality of what's going on. So you're seeing a decrease. I mean, again, entry level, 47 percent of women, if you want to incorporate women of color and white women. And then by the C-suite level, it's at 21 percent. And although there has been an improvement, although you see more increase in these numbers, women of color are the ones that are hit pretty hard in regards to these type of roles, especially in those CEO roles where they're talking about Fortune 500 companies, you have the first black woman 
that was in a CEO role, a C-suite role within a Fortune 500 company, but there hasn't been one since then. And the question is why? What can we start doing to ensure that we start ushering in more opportunities for women of color, for women to sit in these roles as well? And there's so many factors. Another thing that this McKinsey and Company report highlighted was that especially during COVID, a lot of women have taken, like these numbers are going to take a big hit. So it's going to be interesting to see once the report comes out for 2022 or once they finalize the report even for 2021 how this affected women because the reality is a lot of women are taking on those household roles managing children managing school and because of the school closures because of daycare centers being shut down a lot of women are having to work from home or having to make a decision you know what i think i'm going to step away from my corporate job because i want to pour more time into my children they have no choice they can't go to school and although we're in a season where schools are opening back up although we're in a season where that's becoming something that you know, this this new normal. I keep on talking about this new normal because nothing has been like normalized, uh, but we continue to recreate how things are going to look post-COVID because we're still navigating that. But again, women, especially women of color, have taken a hard hit. Most of them are the ones that have lost jobs and positions. Most of them are the ones that have walked away, specifically one in four, are really reconsidering, do I want to stay in this corporate space or do I want to be at home full time? So the question is, what is the barrier? What are the issues? Why are women of color impacted the most? And that's why it's so important that if you're listening and you're a CEO, a manager, even if you're like, listen, I'm just somebody that's an entry-level leader, or I'm just an aspiring business owner, there's still so many things that you can do as you grow your business. We don't even realize that a lot of the biases that are occurring within these companies and organizations are just inherently going on. They're so unconscious. It's happening. And we don't even realize that maybe you're gravitating towards hiring more men. You might be gravitating to more um, hiring more um, white women or white men, and you don't even realize that you're doing that. Also recognizing that some of the educational opportunities, some of, again, the economics are, are a big factor, which also identify or show why there are a lot of breakdowns. Even recruiting, I've talked about it on previous episodes. Please go back and listen to that. A lot of recruiting from these major companies or from these companies are from these elite schools. But the reality is a lot of these elite schools are what? Predominantly white, especially if you're talking about, you know, income. Again, if you look at the national average or looking at the breakdowns with between the wealth gap with African-Americans, um, within the Latina uh, community, the Hispanic community, as well as in the community of Caucasians, there's such a major gap. And of course, historically, we know why that is. So because of all these breakdowns, you're seeing it having a trickle effect and how or the opportunities that certain groups, specifically people of color, have to face, especially women. Women not only have to deal with the biases that occur in regards to what quote unquote womenly roles are, but also if you are a double minority and you're a woman of color, you have to face those those barriers and those boundaries or those biases that a lot of these companies and organizations or even individuals have because it's the individuals making these decisions. So we have to, again, be aware of that's the reality. Are you taking time to look at your corporate pipeline or are you looking are you looking at the numbers and finding ways that you can start attracting, attracting more women, especially women of color into these roles? Asking yourself, why aren't they 
why isn't my company attractive to them? And then if my company is attractive or there are great opportunities here, what can we do to change our recruiting um, ways and uh, how we can change how we manage and how we develop the next generation of women of color to get into these roles? Am I, are we giving them opportunities and so on? partnering with other companies and other organizations who focus on developing black women because maybe you don't know how to do it you might need additional support and that's why you can bring a consultant in that's why you can connect with these other organizations and really start ushering more opportunities shout out to goldman sachs um, they have a new initiative going on right now and they specifically said we partnered with organizations that specifically target women of color and they're helping them identify where to put these millions of dollars they want to invest in communities and leadership and small businesses that are represented by women of color. And it's so powerful and so important to do that, that we start to connect and build upon finding ways that we can start opening doors for more women representation. So that's just the kind of the gist of what's going on within women and leadership, women in management, what, what they're having to face. And it's a multitude of other things that they're having to face. So the question is, yes, as you post these things online, as you shout out more women to sit in these seats and you continue to do your part to say, okay, you know, we love women, we support them. I have a brother, I have a sister. We want to really start looking at what we can do to usher in change within women in leadership. We'll even, at, we'll even look at it from a global matter because women representation is not only an issue within the United States, it's actually a global, a global issue. And another report highlighted very few women are CEOs of the world's, the world's, all right, the world's largest corporations. And as of August 2020, Fortune Global, the Fortune Global list, there were only 13 women, which is about 2.6% that were CEOs of Fortune Global 500 companies, okay? So I know we talk about Fortune 500 companies in the U.S., but globally, it's only 2.6%. And what happens? What's the biggest piece that I want to highlight? It's women that are white. All of them. Not, not just some. All of them are white. So 13 women, and they all only, only represent one pocket of our culture, our communities of color, a 2020 analysis by Mercer of over 1,100 organizations across the world found, a, they say, a leaky pipeline for women in leadership. So you see this representation globally that says executives, about 23%, senior managers, 29%, managers, 37%, professionals, 42%, and support staff, guess what, is the highest percentage. So you're more likely to see more women in support staff roles, especially women of color. Support staff. And I mentioned before, women are getting the degrees at a higher rate, they're getting educated, they're getting certification, but for some reason, they find themselves represented more in support staff than in those executive tiers. But shout out to people like Kamala Harris, shout out to women who are still pressing forward, like Rashida Jones, and really, again, breaking the glass ceiling and showing what is possible. And again, we don't know what they've experienced or what they've gone through in order for them to get there. But again, they're ushering change. They're, be, they're being able or their representation is going to allow our voice to be heard a little louder. But there's so much more that we can do. Again, women representation is a global issue. So again, despite of an increase in women pursuing higher degrees globally, a gender gap in employment rates remains among highly educated women and men in some countries. 
You also look at the caregiving side. Unpaid caregiving responsibilities can prevent paid employment opportunities. And also it falls to women. Women are dealing with job losses. Again, I talked about the pandemic and how they've been affected by COVID. And one study of employment and income trends in six countries, which included China, Italy, Japan, South Korea, the UK, and the US found that women are 24% more likely to permanently lose their jobs compared to men. Permanently. If you look at France, Germany, India, Italy, the Netherlands, Norway, and South Korea, they are among countries that are implementing quotas for women on boards of public companies. So you have a lot of these other countries, and you don't hear it in the U.S., but they are saying, you know what, we need to create quotas and have more women on boards. We need to do our work so we can see more representation. So how do we break this glass ceiling? And if you never heard the word glass ceiling before, It's an intangible barrier that keeps women and minorities from rising above certain levels in organizations, which I attest to is bias. Again, there's a lot of organizational bias. There are things embedded in these companies that they don't even realize that's preventing this rise that we need to see more representation. And in the U.S., women are rarely found in positions above middle management and corporations. So it's important to break the glass ceiling which requires us to really pay attention and find ways that we can start doing more to ensure that women are getting in these positions. And it's interesting because a lot of people realize like, man, when they have daughters, like shout out to Kobe Bryant, when he had a daughter and had he has daughters, he recognized, okay, I need to do more so I can open up doors for women in sports. Because, you know, uh, unfortunately, his daughter passed away as well. And also those young girls and those families that passed away on that plane crash or helicopter crash, that you had young girls that love the sport of basketball. I mean, they were like a sports family. And Kobe Bryant recognized because he was faced with the fact that his daughter was going to deal with a lack of opportunities because she was a woman, because the WNBA and women's sports don't get as much attention. So he was doing his part to try to usher change and build bridges because utilizing his fame, his notoriety, his the people that he knew, his resources, keyword resources, to try to usher change. And there's still people doing that now. But again, there's still a lot more work to do. And yes, there has been progression. But the more and more that all of us can collectively become more self-aware and start saying that although I might be an entry-level leader, although I might be a mid-tier leader, I can still do something to open up a door. If it's a reference, if it's maybe saying, hey, I can't take on this opportunity because I'm busy, but let me let so-and-so know. Let me let this woman know, this woman of color know, hey, I'm going to refer her. And of course, you want to make sure that these individuals that come in that you refer can do the job. Or if they can't, how about you just offer time to develop them and, and teach them some things and help them develop their skills? I mean, from if there's someone in business and you're like, I know how to do branding and networking, let me make sure I offer thousand hours a year towards uh, uplifting and promoting more women or giving them more opportunities to sit on my boards or sit on my trainings for free. So the more that we start doing that, the more that we'll start to usher in a lot more change. Um, And again, you'll have women that are equipped with the skills and the knowledge that they need. So when they sit in these rooms, they are educated, they're prepared, and they have the support within those organizations to lead more. So how do we do that? That is the question. What can you do? How can you start 
embedding or what can you start doing and what are these strategies? Because I'm going to give you four to really help pivot and make these changes or be that that person that can usher in these door opener practices so we can see more we can see more representation of women in these spaces. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. I want to personally invite you to our Emotional Intelligence Mastery Class Phase 1. Now, you might be wondering, why do I need emotional intelligence? Well, that is the secret sauce to business communication, to engaging your team, to leadership. And the reality is EQ outperforms IQ. So I want you to join us as we go through two hours of great information that helps you get to the next level in 2021 and beyond. Get the tools, the strategies, understand business communication, understand how you can implement and how you coach or how you support your team members. And don't waste time now because we have it at a special rate. So go to actleadconsulting.com backslash emotional intelligence. Again, go to actleadconsulting.com backslash emotional intelligence and sign up today. So grab your notepad because we're going to get into these four strategies. And again, you might say, listen, I'm not at that level yet or there's not much I can do. Please trust me, there's always something you can do. And you might need not be able to implement all these tools right now, but maybe some. Maybe once you get to a certain level, you can say, you know what? I remember that podcast I was listening to with Aisha and I can be that executive or that CEO or I can make this recommendation so we can see more diversity in these decision-making spaces, in these boards, at these boards and so on. So one of the things that are so important is leadership support. I remember talking to a client and they were saying, I want to implement these changes. What do I need to do? And we were walking through that process. And I said, one of the biggest things that you need to do is provide or have leadership support. These executives, these CEOs, these individuals who truly have the power to move what happens in these companies need to demonstrate support for the advancement of women. Yes, we saw a lot of statements that were issued post George Floyd's, um, the George Floyd's of the world or the Breonna Taylor's. And when we were really talking about race and culture and discrimination within companies, that's cool. Great. A statement is out there. But what is the action taken? What are the resources being poured in in order for this to happen? Do you have a diversity management team? Have you created an employee resource group? What have you done now to take action that backs up the statement? And I think it's important as you're going into these spaces and you do want to state a case, you want to have the data. I want to show you the representation, just like I broke down the data and gave you the information of the representation in companies. Hey, I want to show you all the representation for women in this company and women of color. This is how we're recruiting. This is this is the breakdown here. This is what we're going to do here. And then offer solutions because I'm big on, yes, we want to give recommendation, but recommendations or show and highlight the issue or the problem. But the question is, what is the solution? What are some solutions you can offer? Which, again, makes you stand out, allows you to really be maybe that face of that initiative that's moving forward or at least just bringing that attention to leadership and say, I need your support. I need your commitment. You issued a statement or maybe you didn't issue a statement, but I need your support and I need your resources. And the biggest one is accountability. So as you're going and these changes are making or whoever is managing these changes, if they're not doing their part and they're saying, okay, this is what we commit to, 
But for some reason, it's not happening or some people don't have buy-in. Even though the executive and the CEO have said that, even though the decision makers have said that, what is the level of accountability that is going to happen that leadership support stands by and will implement and support and back that up? What does that look like? What is the reprimand process? What is the paperwork that they're going to get? Or even if it gets to the point, if there's discriminatory behavior or people truly aren't on board, are you willing to, and you should, letting them go because this is not the company that is going to continue to not support the women of this company. And again, I always highlight Salesforce. So make sure you check them out because they definitely put it out there too. They put it out there, what they're saying that we're committing to, and they showed those updates. Okay. This is what representation looks like. We all know the story about how their women leaders, their executives brought it to attention to the CEO that there was a breakdown in pay. And it was remedied and it took time to do it, but the resources were given, the time, the energy, the studies, so it doesn't happen again, were all implemented. So again, it's not it's one thing to get the support, but it's about getting the resources and the backup for it and the accountability measures. So it's about leadership support. The next thing is looking at organizational practices. Leaders, HR definitely should be able to incorporate practices into their diversity management programs. If you don't have a diversity management program, create one, build a team, find people that can support that, bring a consultant in, someone that can say, okay, we want to build this. What should it look like? Who should we have a, a part of it? What can we do to make sure that we have implemented this, implemented these practices? And also this is going to allow your company, your organization to be more attractive. You want to attract people to you, more women into your companies, more women of color, well, you want to be able to be attractive by hiring them. If I go to your website and I see one color on your site of individuals in a leadership realm, ah, I don't know. I might still apply, but ugh, it's for some people it's uncomfortable. I always share the story about how I always aspire to be a chief master sergeant in the Air Force and going in and seeing a lack of representation in that room. And unconsciously, I started to say, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be there. And I started to shift and change within my career and started to say, you know what? I'm fine if I retire at this rank. And now someone that's about to put on the next rank, it's like, wow, like I made it. I got here. But I remember a time being like, ah, I don't know if this this military that I've been a part of this year will be 18 years at that time, it might have been about 10, 11 years at that point. I was wondering if this, if I had a future and could I really get to this rank? But when I did pivot and go to other companies or excuse me, organizations that had more black women that I saw in my last assignment, it was like, wow, you know, there are a lot of us here. This is great. As you see the changes that the Air Force is making and a lot of these military organizations are saying that, you know what, we need to embed changes so we can still start so we can start seeing more women in these spaces. It's like, OK, more people are seeing that this is possible. So what's going to make your company attractive so you can recruit talent and then you can also retain talent. It's one thing to recruit people, but it's about retaining them. You might have some great talented women there already, women of color there already, but before they jump ship and leave because, you know, they want to see more representation. They want to know that they're cared for. They want to know that the spaces that they're in, it's safe and that people are going to be held accountable and they're going to feel welcome. They're going to go to another company that they feel that way. 
So what can you do to maintain that attractiveness so you, again, bring in more women or retain the women that you have? It's about incorporating practices and looking at the bias that you might have within your institution or your organization so you can really make a shift in the the women that maybe can, you know, start looking at your organization like, okay, I think I can truly get to this level. The next thing is, I mentioned before, increased representation. So as you are ushering in these new practices, okay, now let's bring in these women. Let's put them on these committees, especially when you're talking about decision-making, strategic, strategic, excuse me, business issues. Who can you bring in, even if they aren't in that seat? This is a great opportunity, and that's where inclusivity comes in. There might be somebody that is at the first tier or the second tier. They might be a director or so, but they can still come in and provide some information, some, some data that you might not even realize that you never thought of that could be beneficial in these changes. You are also seeing the talent, and you're giving them an opportunity to shine in these meetings. You're also building relationships with them. People might have never met this person that's, that's a director or a manager, and now they're getting an opportunity to meet them. So now there's familiarity going on within your company with the other women talent in your company. So increased represent—excuse me, increased representation in these spaces is super important. So what can you do to start doing that? What kind of what does your board look like? How can you start bringing people in? How can you start vetting more women in these in these big meetings? And I mentioned it before. Salesforce does it. The CEO has says if there's not a certain amount of women in these meetings, that's a problem. I will not have it unless they're there. So he has made it a practice. It is something that is a policy. Women have to be in these in these spaces when we're making decisions because we need to hear their voices as well. And the last one, the one that's extremely important is the education and mentorship. We need to be able to equip women with the skills, the abilities, the tools, the mentorship that they need to be prepared for these executive roles. So what are you doing to target women for participation in executive education programs? And what systems are in place to identify high potential women for advancement? Again, I mentioned earlier, if you have somebody that can come and sit in a business strategy meeting that you know might, you know, might have an opportunity to really shine, that could be a great chance to say, okay, Get to get a feel for them, seeing what they have to offer. And again, it might just be saying, okay, we have a majority of these, you know, men or these women in these roles. How can we start creating a mentorship program or implement some type of executive education program where we can have our current leaders be able to sit in, give classes, give courses, give insight, mentor, grow, whatever works for your company, because we know time and um, they, you know, everyone has uh, other responsibilities they need to focus in, but that's going to be extremely important. So what can you do to embed that in how you do business, education and mentorship? If you have a coaching program, if you're a business owner out there as well, what can you do to have something annually where you can just start bringing in women to teach them some of your practices and, and things that have helped you become successful? So when they do, they can implement that in their business or when they're ready to start their business, they can implement these things that you taught them. It's things like that that you can do at your level. It's things like just saying, hey, you know, I, I, I got this promotion and I know that you have mentioned before that you want to, you know, get to this level. Can I help you? Can there be some, can I mentor you or can I just give you some strategies? Let's go to lunch and let's talk about what your plans are. And even as leaders, if you're a male leader, if you're a woman leader, it's opportunities like that and things like that you can help start to mentor and develop those 
that are aiming to get to your level. I did that just the other day as I've been having these staff meetings. I'm like, I don't want to just sit here and just talk about do's and don'ts, roles and responsibilities, what I talk to my chief about and what we need to do. I want to also give them tips and strategies. So I talked to them about relationship building and why our chief is, I utilize my chief as an example because a lot of times you see these uh, great relationships established because now I can make a phone call and get your issues handled in a day where it could have taken five days because I built a relationship with that person and how as a leader, as you move up, it's so important to build those relationships and also on the other side, reciprocate that support as well so you can maintain those relationships. And this is why our chief does it and why it looks like this and how as a leader, as you develop, you want to also think about relationship building. So it was just an opportunity to give them a nugget, give them some some support, and also really help them in this developmental process. I have this download you can get on my website that talks about the employee development program. We need to shift how we give feedback and start looking at it as an opportunity to develop the next generation of leaders because as you see more millennials and Gen Zers go into these roles, they are looking for that development. But are you giving that to them? It's a great opportunity to do that because if you're not giving to them, giving it to them, they're going to go to another company that would do that. So those are some things that you want to consider. Those are some things that you want to start saying, you know what, I need to start doing that. So I want you to reflect and think about these questions because every time I close the podcast, I always ask, we consume this information, but it's applying. So what is the commitment by upper management and leadership? What is the current commitment? Are you in upper management and leadership? Is this something you can commit to? What is their commitment? And how can you bring it to their attention that they need to commit to this and why and give some solutions? Have you assessed your leadership practices and is it inclusive? Again, if you're not in that role, these are some things to think about when you are in those rooms that you can give some feedback. Has that been assessed? What are the practices? Is there inclusivity? Is there equity? Is there truly diversity? Are your decision-making rooms diverse and equitable? What does your decision-making rooms look like? Is it representing the company? You have an X amount of women in, in these support roles. Okay, there should be a woman executive that can speak to that. Or again, is bringing in somebody in that role and also creating those opportunities for them to get to that level. But what does the diversity look like in those roles? And what educational opportunities or mentorship opportunities do you have for women that you can create, that you can embed, that you can challenge your executive leaders and those in those different roles? Say, hey, I want to create a mentorship program. I'm going to have so-and-so take the lead on it. And I want us to start giving back to the women in the company to make sure we're developing them and helping them grow and preparing them for them sitting in these roles. Listen, they've already committed to your company. They've been there they have they have stuck around. They have 10, 15. I mean, even if they've been there for a couple of years, they are there to support your company. Don't you want to keep talent like that? They're already familiar with the processes. They, they've committed. They are, you know, again, staples within your company. Why not develop those within? And of course, bring in new talent when necessary. But those are the people you want to pay attention to. So I hope those tips, those strategies have helped I hope you've written those down. Make sure you share this information to someone that might this might benefit. And again, regardless of what level you're in, there's always a door you can open or crack open for somebody. Who can you recommend? Who you, can you pass information to? Who can you give information to? 
Can you go live and start sharing information for women? Can you start allowing some women to come in without having to pay a fee to join your company, um, excuse me, to join your program or the mentorship that you have or the community you have so you can develop them more? Can you do that? How beneficial could that be? So there's always something you can do. Think about your brothers, your sisters, your mothers, the experiences that they've had to have. And there's so many things that we can do to start ushering change in our communities, in our organizations, in our companies that will essentially improve these numbers and start start this trend of really, 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 really helping women be represented in these spaces. So I appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. As always, share this information. Make sure you comment. If you like this podcast, make sure you leave a review. Please, please, please. Those reviews are beneficial. It allows me to reach more people. As always, if you have questions or concerns, you can message me on, on social media. My social media handle is at it's at Miss Aisha Thomas. Or please go to my YouTube. I have a ton of training videos on there. It's at the Miss Isha at T-H-E-M-S-E-E-S-H-A, or you can visit my website, AishaThomas.org, A-I-S-H-A-T-H-O-M-A-S. So appreciate you guys tuning in. And again, remember, individuals don't typically quit the organization. They typically quit the leader, and that's why you need leadership development. That's why you need to have more representation in your companies, in your business, and that's why you need to be a door opener for women. You guys have an amazing week. See you next week.